You're listening to a Southside Baptist Church podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. You know, there's words that say, uh, the night won't last. And, you know, you're, you're, you never failed me. And a lot of times you and I get into a place in our life where it's kind of dark and it feels like night. The night won't last. And he's there. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you'll just bless this time. We pray, dear Lord, as children begin to make their way to worship, that, Lord, you will guide and direct those that lead them. We pray, dear Lord, for those of us who remain here, that, Lord, what you've done already in worship, you'll continue to do in your word. And, Lord, we give you all the glory and honor, for you alone are worthy. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. Forgive me of any thought, any deed, any idle word. Lord, let me be a tool, a vessel in your hand. And Lord, it be for your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can remain standing for a moment. Well, I'll tell you, go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. (coughs) Well, amen. Good to see you here today. Uh, the last, uh, Sheila and I left a couple of weeks ago and we went down to, uh, to Destin, to that area down there. When I was a kid, when I was a little boy, I lived in Niceville, Florida, which is there near Destin. I grew up in Florida. In fact, uh, I was born in Niagara Falls, New York. And, uh, when I was two years of age, my dad, who was, went to work for NASA, he went from Bell Aircraft, went to NASA. And uh, he moved me and my six-month-old brother and sister and my uh, probably about eight-year-old older sister, he moved us to Titusville, Florida, and we moved down there. And I lived there till I was 13 years old when we moved to Yazoo City. But uh, I don't know what it is when I get back to Florida, when I get back to that salt air, when I'm near the sound of the ocean and the waves. In some ways, I feel at home. I'm comfortable. I, I, I literally almost become like a little boy. Sheila actually came back a week ago and left me down there with my bike. And uh, I think that was upsetting to Willie. He told Sheila, he said, I can't believe that you left Brother Jeff down there in uh, Florida with only a bike. I told her if there was any problem up here, let me know and I'd get on my bike and ride this way. But uh, it was just interesting to be around the ocean. And uh, there was a hurricane, I don't know if you're aware of it, that came across from our west coast down in Mexico, came across Mexico through Texas, and uh, it kind of stirred up some weather. And so there was one day in particular on a Thursday when down there on the ocean, it was very, very turbulent. I mean, I took video of it. There was just chaos and disorder as you looked out across the Gulf. I mean, that water was just raging. Waves were just twisting and turning, pounding in all different directions. Still a little bit of that was going on when Sheila came back to get me, and we went down there. The water was actually so far up on the coast 
on the coastline there on the beach that it was up near where piers and walkways were almost sloshing up under him. It was intimidating. And, and on a Thursday evening, I, had, I, I have not felt good since Thursday. I've had a little bit of vertigo. Miss Jean, you'll understand vertigo. But anyway, I've kind of been a little bit lightheaded or dizzy. So I went down that Thursday evening to walk on the beach, on what was still part of the beach, and it was dark and the wind was just blowing so hard that you almost felt as if you could lean into it. And uh, I was all alone. I mean, there was, it was, the beach was empty. And there were places where I had to go way up onto the shoreline because you could just literally be pounded by the waves. It was unbelievable. Down there, there's a bay that actually goes up into Destin, Niceville, Fort Walton in that area. And um, I've gone on a boat through there, a large boat through that bay where that, you know, where that movement of water can be kind of scary. And I, and I went around there and even the bay seemed chaotic. And I was watching as this water was pounding those rocks. And I was all alone. And I came back to that point there as I began to walk along the coastline again. And I finally could see a couple of people and they were way down. So far away they just looked like, like that big. I mean small figures. And in that moment I thought about imagine Jesus Christ speaking and calming it. I thought to myself, imagine if I looked and could see Jesus walking across that water. Or Jesus all of a sudden standing next to me on this dark, luminous, just unbelievable, chaotic sea as it was moving and the wind blowing to the point that it was just howling all around you. And imagine Jesus just saying, quiet, be still, stop. Well, I want you to take your Bibles and look at Mark chapter 4. And we're going to look at two passages of Scripture today. The first is Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And probably what I'm describing to you a moment ago is exactly what we're going to see in two different situations, one in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament. And uh, in the New Testament, Mark chapter 4. Now, everybody look this way. We went through the Gospel of Mark, and Mark is written by who? <laughs> Mark. There you go. Well, he's actually called John Mark, but uh, the Gospel of Mark is written by a young man by the name of John Mark who started out traveling with the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey, got scared, bailed out, and came back home and remember, there was a little conflict between Paul and Barnabas, and ultimately Paul would replace Mark because Paul and Barnabas were sharply divided. Barnabas would take John Mark, begin to disciple him and grow him, and Paul would take Silas, and they would go in two different directions. The Gospel of Mark is written by Mark, this young man that Barnabas disciples and grooms and develops, but he's also discipled by the Apostle Peter, 
after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Peter pours in a lot into Mark. When the apostle uh, probably perhaps when Paul was killed, it became advantageous for Peter to sit down with John Mark and to record, to record Peter's memories. So Pete, the gospel of Mark is Peter talking to Mark about the life of Christ and the account as it's coming from the, from the viewpoint of Peter. So you can imagine Peter as he's telling John Mark, he just lights up and says, Mark, <laughs> inspired by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something that happened to us. So we pick up in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Notice the first two words there. What are they? What did Jesus say? Let us. You ought to underline that dog-eared that page. Because let me tell you something. You don't never want to go anywhere, and you definitely don't want to be in a storm without Jesus. Okay? Sometimes you and I are in a storm of our own making, and we're going to see that in a moment. So anytime you are seeking the will and the purpose and the plan and the direction of Christ's life, you want to simply say, I'm where I met by divine appointment. So he says, let us. Jesus said, um, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him, that is Jesus, alone, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats traveling with him. A furious squall came up, a wind came up. That's not an Indian, that's a, that's a wind. A furious wind, storm, violent weather came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. What is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Now, real quickly, let me, let me say what this is. Uh, Jesus literally was like this. You ever slept like this as a kid? When we used to ride along in our old Ford Galaxy on a trip with no air conditioning in that old car, this is how I would turn around sometimes. We didn't use seat belts, didn't know car seats or nothing else. <laughs> you know, you're hanging out the windows where all your parents cared. But this is how sometimes on a long trip, what I would do is I would turn around and lay my head on the seat and I would go out like a light. Now my parents were tickled pink that I was asleep. So Jesus is passed out. He's asleep. And the Bible says that he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him, said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, you can imagine this scene. They go back there, they say, Lord, they, they start trying to wake him up. You ever tried to wake somebody up that's really out? They try to wake him up. Lord, Lord, uh, don't you care that we are about to drown? Verse 39, he got up and he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Now look at the next verse, part of it. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm and he 
said to his disciples, why, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, I think, is a great word. They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? The Bible says, what manner of man is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. Now I want you to take a left, and I want you to go back into the Old Testament. Go back there around the book of Obadiah, uh, past Obadiah. Come to the book of Jonah, right before Micah. And I want you to look there at Jonah chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Jonah chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatai. Amatai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now everybody look this way real quickly. Tarshish is Spain. In Spain, Tarshish was considered probably to be the edge of the earth. It was the farthest that you could possibly go. So he's on his way to Tarshish, to Spain, to flee from who? To flee from the Lord. Then the Lord set a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not, we will not perish. And the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you, are you from? He answered, I am Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. They asked, what, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because... He had already told them so. Sea was getting rougher and rougher, storm more violent. So they asked him, What do we do? What should we do to make the sea calm down around us? You see it, verse 12. This little Jewish man. 
looked at him and said, throw me overboard. What? Throw, throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, and it will become calm. I, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon me. Still the men did, did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord. They said, oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, oh Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. But the Lord provided a fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. What a sharp, what a sharp contrast. In Mark chapter 4, Peter's telling Mark, he says, man, he said, let me tell you, you could just see this fisher, but he's just lit up. He says, wow. He said, listen, one day we'd finished a big preaching event, and we had to get away from the crowd. I mean, the crowd was literally so pressing that Jesus looked at us and he said, hey, man, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he said, so we start out. He said, Jesus, he wore out his beak. He goes back there. He lays down in the stern, puts his head down on the helmet's cushion, and he goes out. I mean, he's out like a light. And then it happens. Peter looks at Mark. He says, you know I'm a fisherman. And you know, you know the way the hills surround the Sea of Galilee. And you know the way the wind sometimes will funnel down through the valleys on, in those hills and it'll come across the Sea of Galilee. And you know how quickly a storm can come up will it happen. Here Jesus is fast asleep. Peter, I mean, I'm there. James and John, Thomas, all of us are in the boat. And man, we're going along and all of a sudden this storm hits. The sea starts raging all around us. The wind is blowing. The wind is just pounding the water against us to the degree that the drops of rain hurt when they hit us. He said we did everything we could. <laughs> hey, listen, James and John, me, this is, this is our cup of tea. We've been in this situation before. So we, we immediately begin to shout to the other disciples, Matthew, you know, he's a tax collector, he doesn't know anything. We started telling these guys, hey, listen, everybody, start belling water, start helping us row. We've got to somehow get this vessel to land. Everything we did, nothing worked. Are you in a storm right now where everything you're doing is not working? Because that's the way we do, isn't it? We try to figure our own way out of our storms. 
Peter. He looks at John Mark and he says, Man, we were as good as dead. I mean, the water was coming into the boat. We were gone. I mean, we were gone. And, and, and Peter said, you know, I, I guess I hadn't thought about it. I, I, just, I just took for granted that Jesus was up helping us that somewhere in this chaotic situation that we're in, that Jesus was somehow, he was there too, you know, helping us row our belly water and doing something. And I, I turn around and he's asleep. He is out like a light. Oh, I'll be honest with you, Mark, it made me so angry. It's as if he didn't care. It's as if he was unconcerned. It's as if he didn't know the situation that we were in. I mean, you know, there he was. He, listen, he looked like some little toddler laying there. He, he was just all curled up, all cuddled there on the helmsman cushion. He was asleep. He was resting. I don't know how he did it. I mean, the wind pounding against him, the rain, he was half wet, and he's out like a light. He's sleeping like a baby. So finally, I tell you, I got mad. I just got mad. And you know, I'm kind of the spokesman for the disciples. So I just, I, I, I was really irritated. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you, the hood came out in me. And the old man came out in me. I uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I turned into the old, you know, fisherman again. And so I just went back there. I just took it upon myself and I said, hey, Jesus, Lord, get up. We're about to die. Don't you care? We're getting ready to drown. And you're asleep. Wake up. You ever been there? You ever been in a storm or a situation? You almost feel like you're trying to wake the Lord up to help you? As if nobody up there can hear Peter, he said, man, I was so upset. And I said, I just could not believe it. So I said, Lord, don't you, don't you care? Don't you care that we are about to drown? He didn't say a word. I mean, this is Peter talking to John Mark. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus kind of... He just kind of looked up. Mm. Oh, that felt good. John, let me tell you what he did. John Mark. He stands up. He looks out at this unbelievable storm. And he tells him to shut that's what it means in the Greek. He just looks out of this storm. <laughs> hey, Joe Mark, you just had to be there. I mean, Jesus stands up in the boat, stretches, looks up toward the heavens. He just stretches, looks up toward the heaven, and he says, quiet, be still. And John, it happened. That sea turned into grass. We were dripping wet wind died you couldn't there wasn't a ripple on the water it was calm then Jesus asked us a strange question 
He turned and looked at us. He said, why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You afraid of the wind? Afraid of the waves? You afraid that the boat would sink? Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid you might drown? Why were you afraid? And then he... John Mark, Jesus looked at me and he said, Peter, where's your, where's your faith? Let me ask you something. You in a storm right now? You in a difficult place in your life right now where you kind of feel like you're trying to wake up the heavens to get somebody to listen to you up there? You feel like they're not? You low, you discouraged, you afraid? Is fear and anxiety gripping your life to the point that you, that you could cut a video called Worry Aside? where you can teach people how to lose weight by just worrying the pounds off? Are you afraid? Are you living in fear? Do you think I need counsel or I need, uh, I need medication because something's wrong with me because I am so afraid, I am so filled with fear. My life is so uncertain. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about getting possibly sick or having a disease. I've got a problem right now. What are you worried about? Peter looks at John Mark and he says, he looks at us and he says, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? You ain't got nothing to fear. He said, those wind and waves, that storm, did you see how quickly I quieted? <laughs> you ain't got nothing to fear. You've got a loving, compassionate, heavenly Father who is very, very concerned about everything that you're worried about. Let me tell you something. My kids may be grown, but if I knew they were gripped by fear and worry, listen, and I had the capacity or the ability to take that fear away, as a loving parent, I'd do whatever I could to do it. But I'm limited. My resources and my abilities are limited. I can't always get them out of situations because I don't have the resources to be able to do it. Now, everybody listen closely. You have a Heavenly Father who has all the resources of all of eternity. He has the resources to get you out of the storm, to make sense out of your storm, and to tell you something. You walk by faith, and don't you worry. I've got this. Now let me tell you what God just so clearly said to me on that stormy sea last week. He simply said this to me. You see this out here? I'm calm it. Listen, everybody listen. Say amen if you're listening. Amen. I can calm it when I get ready to. You may be in a storm right now. You may be in a place right now that is very difficult in your life. And right now you're crying out to God and you're asking God to still your storm and he hasn't done it yet. But let me tell you what you can do and what I can do. We can trust him in the storm. And I can tell you this much. When he gets ready, when his will and his purpose and his plan has been accomplished on you or on me in the storm, then at a certain point he'll just simply say, that's enough. And he'll quiet 
storm like that. Now, everybody listen. Sometimes you and I never have a real revelation of God until we get in a storm, right? I mean, these disciples, listen. Peter probably looked at John Mark and he said, you know, John, I'll be honest with you, he probably was just sitting there doing like this. You know, John Mark, I just can't believe it was so obvious. I mean, man, we were literally frightened almost out of our senses. Mark, you'd have had to bend there. It was like a storm that we've never seen before. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how, how, how afraid we were, but it never occurred to us to go back there and look at Jesus who was asleep and realize that he wasn't worried at all. Oh, he cared. Mark, I told you that I went back there and shook him and woke him, woke him up and told him, don't you care that we're about to drown? Oh, he cared. And he does care. And he cares about you. Listen, let me tell you what he said to you. He said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always to the very end of your life. And when you come to the valley of the shadow of death, because shadows can't hurt you, and when you're a Christian and a follower of Christ, you don't even fear death. You have peace because he says, I'm going to walk you through that valley, that shadow of death. You're not going to have to worry or fear no evil because I'm going to be with you. Let me ask you something this morning. What are you worried about? Well, our, our country just seems to be so unstable. And I worry about my children. I just wonder if it's even right to bring children into this world. I always think of Amram and Jochebed. When Pharaoh said, you bring, a, you bring a male child into this world, you better take him and kill him. Throw him into the Nile River. Amram and Jochebed had a baby. Tried to hide him for three months. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, said it was unusually good-looking kid. We all think our babies are good-looking. Some of them look like a beet that's been in the refrigerator too long. I mean, you know. But anyway, you know, we think our kids are good-looking. But the Bible says, God says, under the inspiration of his Holy Spirit, that this was an unusually good-looking baby. And for three months, they tried to hide a baby. You can't hide babies, can you, Molly and CJ? No. And one day, Jacobed and Amram began to put together this scheme. I know what we'll do. We're going to put him in the river. But we're going to put him in a basket. We're going to put him in a basket. And she worked and wove the papyrus reed and made it into a basket. She coated it with tar and pitch called bitumen because it would repel the crocodiles. And then she went down with Miriam one day, the sister of Moses, and she put that basket down in the water. She said, God, I know this world is turbulent and I know my people are being persecuted, but I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to walk in faith. And she pushed that basket out into the current of the Nile River. And the rest is history.
his name was Moses. What are you afraid of? Is your situation worse than Amram and Jacobus? I don't think so. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation, and I'm going to give you the opportunity, whatever it may be that is concern, that's right now worry and anxiety. You may be in a storm right now. And you may say, well, Brother Jeff, why did you read Jonah? Well, there's two people asleep in the boat, right? One is Jesus. He's asleep. He's asleep doing the will and the purpose and the plan of his Father God. He is in the perfect will of his Father doing exactly what God's called him to do. Now, everybody listen closely. When you and I are in the will of God, obeying and doing his will, I can promise you this much, that's the best place to be. There's a peace there, and you know it as well as I do. There is a peace that passes all understanding. But some of you in this room may be like Jonah. You're asleep, but you're out of the will of God. You're not doing what God's called you to do. You've got to sleep, but it's a sleep of godliness, apathy, indifference. You finally just said, I give up. I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't care anymore. You know what Jonah was saying when they asked, you know, these old rough fishermen said, uh, what do we do? I mean, we're in the middle of a storm here, and they use the small letter G for gods. What are we to do? Uh, what gods have we made angry? What have we done in and, and so finally they find this, you know, here again, here, here again, here, here again is somebody that's asleep. And, and, and this individual, this individual is all curled up down there at the bottom. He, he, he's down in the belly of the ship. He's just fast asleep. He's in the fetal position. He's also in a storm, but he doesn't care. He's running from God. Really, God kind of worked things out. I mean, he went down, he went to the bank teller, he got the money that he needed, it was just the right amount, he found a boat that just happened to be going to Tarshish. I mean, God, uh, uh, I mean, so many doors open, it has to be the will of God. Let me tell you something. An open door does not always mean it's God's will. But this is Jonah. <sighs> oh, it feels so good. Outsmarted God. Everything's worked out. Only to be awakened by the captain of the ship and say, what's going on? Don't you need to be up there praying with the rest of us? Let me tell you, it's sad when the world has to wake us up to get us to pray. It's sad when your lost friends have to wake you up and ask you to pray about something. A pagan, heathen captain says, wake up, comes to the top of the boat. What's going on? You guys look like I got you a little problem here. And the crew begins to look and say, What? Do you have anything to do with it? You know anything about this? You, you told us earlier that you were running from God. What God is that? He's, he says, Yahweh, Yahweh in the Hebrew, the I am. That's who I'm. Some of you are running away from God's will, plan, and purpose for your life, and you are endangering the people around you. 
Many a parent is running from God and the reality is they're bringing great heartache into the people around them because they refuse to repent and get their life right with God. Some people in this church, some people within the membership of this church right now, some of them who are no longer here are running from God, rebelling against the word of God, making their own decisions and living like the way they want to live and they think they've got away with it. And they said to Jonah, they said, uh, what do we do to stop this? Jonah, and we'll close. Give me five minutes at the most. Jonah looks at him and he says, throw me overboard. You told us you were running from God. You told We know you Hebrew people. Your God parted the Red Sea. We know of you people. We've heard of your God, the one who sends bread from the heavens. We know of your God, the one who prophets, the one who prophesies a Messiah, someone to come in the future, God in the flesh. We've heard of this Yahweh, this God of yours. And you mean to tell us how do we stop this storm and you tell us to throw you overboard? Throw me overboard. You know what he was saying? Everybody stand. Do you know what Jonah was saying? In his storm? He was saying, I would rather die than do God's will. I would rather die than obey the word of God. And you know what those sailors did? They did everything they could to save his life. They dumped the cargo. That was the reason they were in the storm. They dumped the cargo. The boat was in danger. Their lives were in danger. And the only thing that Jonah could tell them to do was throw him overboard and that would calm the sea. Those men did everything they could. They had more integrity than Jonah. Sometimes I can tell you what the problem is in America. Sometimes I'm afraid some of our old worldly paganistic society has more godliness, it appears, than some of us do. And so Jonah says, throw me overboard. I'm not going to do God's, I'm not going to do what God told me to do. I'm, I'm not going to be obedient to God. I'm going to rebel against him. Uh, this storm, you know what this storm is in the Hebrew? It's God like with a javelin throwing it at Jonah. He throws the storm. The picture is of a warrior with a javelin who slings it and aims it straight at Jonah and hits him with a storm. Why? Because he's trying to turn him around. Maybe you're in a storm because God is trying to turn you around because you're living in defiant disobedience to God. And he's saying, I can't let you live that way. I will make you miserable. I will bring you at some point to repentance because there's too much I have for you to do and you can't live this way. And Jonah said, I don't care. Throw me overboard. I'd rather be dead. And you can imagine that scene. They weren't doing one, two, three. But imagine that scene when they threw his body and it hits the water and immediately as he's going down, 
sea is like glass, wind calms, storms over. Same two situations so similar. One in the perfect will and plan and purpose for God, yet in a storm. One rebelling absolutely defiantly out of the will of God in a storm. Both seas become calm. Let me ask you something before we pray. What boat are you in? Who are you in this story? Are, are, are you in Mark 4, in that boat, where Jesus is giving clear command and told you what to do, and you're doing it and achieving the will, and you're in a storm, it's tough, but God says, hey, I'm with you, we're getting through this, everything's going to be all right. Or are you on Jonah's boat? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I challenge you today to repent of your sin and simply say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and be the Savior of my life because, Lord, I want to live for you from this day forward. And if you've never done that, in this invitation, you can do it now. You can settle it. For others in this room, the reality is, is maybe your life, maybe you're a Christian, but you're not where you need to be, and you know it. You know it. You're doing some things privately in your personal, private life that you know you shouldn't be doing. You're involved in some things that everything in you, you know that it's wrong, but you're doing it anyway, defiant, rebellious. I'm going to do it anyway. We've got a situation right now in this church that has absolutely broken my heart, keeps me up at night, and is weighed on me because we've got a member of this church that's living in open, defiant disobedience to the Word of God. And brother, that's not the only one. There are others as well. Are you there? Let me tell you how to steal the storm. Repent. Lord, I repent. And I ask you to forgive me. And let me tell you what God begins to do. He begins to bring order to chaos. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you. Lord, we thank you for the time we've had to study your word. And Lord, two vastly different storms. One, one a storm of rebellion and defiant disobedience. One, a storm of a man who's fighting God's will and his purpose and his plan. One, a storm of a man who's endangering the people that are all around him because he lives in disobedience. The other, the storm of our Savior. The sweet peace that comes. <laughs> the sweet peace that comes when we know we're in his will and we're living in obedience to his word the quietness in our soul that lets us know that Jesus says, don't, don't worry. I know you're afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Keep the faith. Everything's going to be all right. I love you. I'm here. I'm here. Calm down. Let peace come to your soul. Let a quietness come in. You're all right. You're going to be all right. Remember my word. Remember my word. Everything's going to be all right. I love you. Lord, I pray that every man and woman in this room, every boy, every girl, every young person, can know the peace and the quiet that Jesus Christ brings 
when we're with him in intimate personal fellowship. Peter went on to smile and say to John Mark, we looked at each other. Jesus went, he sat back down, he went back to sleep. <laughs> we had to row really hard now. We had had the wind to our advantage, and we didn't realize the storm was pushing us toward the shore with that Gadarean. Do you remember the one who was possessed by demons? Uh, he was put, the, the storm was pushing us to our location, to where we needed to go, but now he quieted the storm, and we had to work really hard to get the boat to the Gadarean shore. Jesus was asleep. I looked at I looked at Thomas and I said, what manner of man is this? Thomas said, the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? He's Jesus, our Savior. And Lord Jesus, we love you. And we pray this in your sweet, precious name.